Podcast One production. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. Healthhackeratthemanshake.com.au is the email address. You can get in touch with the show. Of course, the other way is to DM Adam on his Manshake socials or at the website, manshake.com.au, because questions from you is really what helps us understand what you're after. We make a lot of episodes here, but if there's something specific you want to know about, well, Adam can hack into it for you. And Adam, this episode is a great one because it's a question that's close to my heart. I can't believe I've never thought about asking you before, but close to our listeners' heart. It's come in a lot. It's dairy. And mate, you hear it all the time. Dairy is good. Dairy is bad. Don't have dairy. Have lots of dairy. Too much dairy. And then from that, milk. Is milk bad? Is milk good? I mean, that's the biggest one. So on this episode, we're going to go into the depths of understanding milk. Adam, I'm really excited about it. This is great. It's exciting. I love the Q&As, mate. We uh, certainly get in here and uh, give some bang for our buck with some of these great <laughs> questions, and I learn a lot myself as well, which helps me. So let's start with the big question first. Is dairy bad for you? Um, unless you have any type of lactose intolerance or any type of allergy to dairy, um, no. So um, it's actually, you know, very controversial these days, I know. Um, there's going to be people that say dairy is bad for the environment. Um, ethically, it's not right how they treat the animals. Now, that's a separate issue. You know, I'm not going to dive into people's beliefs and, mm, and totally. what they feel is ethically, you know, um, good or bad. But um, from a nutritional point of view, you know, dairy products are, are fortified with so many things. And, um, you know, while many people believe that dairy is um, essential for your bones, um, you know, at the same time, we've, we've argued that many people will say, well, it's not, and it, it can actually be harmful, can cause all sorts of things. But, um, you know, you've got to also consider where we start with looking at dairy as a whole, you know, not all dairy products are the same, you know, you can't compare ice cream, for example, to kefir or, you know, we, we know the great benefits that, you know, things like um, Greek yogurt has on our, our gut microbiome and, and the one that I just touched on earlier, kefir, how it's probably arguably the best um, probiotic food on the market. So, you know, there's different types of dairy um, and the quality and um, the health effects will obviously also depend on what we spoke about earlier is just um, how the animals are actually raised themselves and how the actual dairy is actually processed. So, um, you know, the argument will always go back to the fact that as human beings, we are the only species that actually consumes milk as adults, which is a great argument, isn't it, Alex? Yeah, true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. And we're also the only species that actually drinks milk from other animals. So oh, yeah, true. Sort of uppercuts there as well. When you think about it logically, I'm just thinking about it now. Um, you know, we're the only people that have dairy as adults <laughs> and, um, you know, and obtain it from other animals. So, um, you know, you look at what milk is specifically, I suppose milk is, you know, meant to, to feed a, a growing calf essentially. And, um, you know, they'll argue people against dairy that humans aren't calves and, um, you know, adults don't need to grow. <laughs> so yeah. there's a couple of good arguments you one could, you know, argue um, a good case for. And, you know, it wasn't until the agricultural revolution that um, humans started to begin to drink um, milk outside of the mother supply. So um, have we evolved? That's that's the question. So from, from an evolutionary perspective, um, dairy isn't necessarily optimal and it's not really necessary for our health, you could argue. Um, but the other counter argument is that certain cultures have been consuming dairy now regularly for thousands of years. And, you know, studies have shown, you know, 
emphatically that, you know, um, the genes have changed to accommodate dairy um, products in our diets. So um, the fact that some people are genetically a- adapted to eating dairy, for me, is a convincing argument that it's natural for, for people to consume it if they can tolerate it. So you said actually about tolerance there. So before we, we go down the pros and cons of, of dairy in general, um, can we talk about actually what lactose intolerance is? Yeah, it's a great question. And uh, I wrote about it in my book that I'm a big believer in the fact that um, I think that most people now are lactose overloaded, same as gluten overloaded. And, uh, and what I mean by yeah. that is is the fact that, you know, you have a look at our ancestors in particular, um, they weren't privy to the amount of dairy that we consume on a daily basis now. Like how many coffees do most people have at the cafe? On top of that, you've got your ice creams and your yogurts and, you know, all, all these, um, you know, forms of dairy, which mm, cheese, you know, butter, everything. Cheese, butter, it just goes on and on. So for me, I think the biggest problem is, is, is once again, not enough variety in most people's diets is, is a big thing. And they're just leaning on the same food groups all the time. And essentially the body becomes, you know, lazy and it becomes ineffective at breaking these things down because they accumulate over time and they put a large load on the body, particularly, you know, when you realize the origins of dairy not being something that, you know, we consumed outside of a certain age bracket, which is when we're babies, basically having it on our mother's teeth. So... Lactose is essentially just a sugar, Alex, found naturally in, in, in the milk of mammals. And lactose intolerance is, is basically a symptom that is a result of not producing the, uh, the enzyme lactase. And as children are, are born, um, they actually produce the enzyme lactase, um, which is responsible for breaking down lactose in our digestive system. And this is really important when you think about it from an uh, evolutionary point of view, because when you're a baby, you actually need this enzyme because your only form of nutrition mm. is breast milk. Mm. So as an infant, your body has to produce this digestive enzyme, uh, lactase, um, which will allow you to break the mother's milk down without having any uh, gastric distress as a baby. However, as we grow older, we generally just uh, produce less and less lactase. It's estimated, you know, once we're, you know, mature adults around the age of about 35, that over 60 to 70% of the people in the population actually don't even produce enough lactase anymore to... Um, digest more than one glass of milk a day. So that's why um, you're saying we need to be not be careful of milk or dairy. It's about the quantity of it. Yeah. Most people can tolerate at least one glass of milk a day pretty easily um, because they produce enough of this enzyme to break it down. Um, it maybe becomes a bit more sensitive in people that uh, are of non-European descent when you have a look at the fact that uh, dairy hasn't been as prevalent in their their food chains and hasn't been something they consume on a regular basis. So therefore they haven't evolved to produce as much of this enzyme as what people are from a Northern uh, European background. And then you've also got to consider some people's health um, and individuality as well. So for example, things like um, gastro uh, surgery and bacterial infections and other, and other type of anomalies can actually cause people to develop lactose intolerance overnight, which is really interesting wow. in itself. So, you know, it's a really test and, and sort of reset thing, I believe, dairy. And, and once again, you know, there, there's lots of great dairy products out there that are very, very low in the carbohydrates that are, that are found in dairy, um, which is lactose. So, you know, there's a lot of great Greek yogurts out there. There's a the uh, kefirs, uh, the whey proteins, and and all these protein shakes generally are very very low in in the uh, in the uh, lactose. So it's not something that um, you need to worry about if you're eating the right types of dairy as well. Uh, Adam, I've got a question for you about weight and milk. But before we get to that, let's go through some of the pros of dairy. Yep. Do you want to rattle them off for me? Because I, yeah, I don't but, really know what it actually is doing for me. Besides the thing I learned when I was a kid, going it's good for your bones. Like that's all I remember. <laughs> 
Well, dairy in general, general will, you know, be advocated as something that's very nutritious for us. And, and the reason why people argue this is because it's very nutrient dense. You know, when you look at, say, for example, a single cup of milk, it contains, you know, nearly 30% of the recommended daily intake of calcium, for example. Then it's got up to 25% of your recommended daily intake of vitamin D. Um, and then it contains 26% of your intake requirements for B2 and um, B12, nearly 20%. You've got potassium. Um, you've got vitamins A, um, selenium, zinc, you know, right. um, magnesium. It's really low in calories considering how much nutritional density it contains. On average, a glass of milk's got about 150 calories in it and it's it, it's high in protein. You know, it's got nearly 10 grams of protein. So calorie for calorie, um, you know, whole milk is very nutrient dense. It, it offers a little bit of everything really when you look at it. It's got some, you know, good fats in it. It's got... Um, some carbohydrates in it. It's got some protein in it. And, and as I alluded to, it's got so many, um, you know, vitamins and minerals in it that the body needs. So, but you also have to consider, you know, the quality as well of the source of the dairy, where it's coming from, which will also impact, you know, how good it is for you. So if we're trying to find, um, you know, in Australia, we're very lucky um, that we have cows that are raised on the pasture and are grass fed. So they're going to have more uh, omega-free fatty acids, um, you know, in, in the uh, nutritional profile of the milk, um, you know, you've got 500% more uh, CLA um, in grass-fed meat. Um, What's CLA? really important. CLA is a, a conjugated linic acid and it's a, it's a good fat, which um, plays a lot of benefits within the human body. Um, you know, everything from fat loss to, you know, metabolic regulation. So it, it provides a lot of benefits for our health. Um, and that's why grass-fed meat, a lot of people look to eat grass-fed meat because it's higher in CLA and omega-freeze as well. So, you know, grass-fed dairy is just so much higher in, in good fat-soluble vitamins, especially vitamin K2, which is something we probably should touch upon. This is a really important vitamin for humans. It's um, a nutrient for um, regulating our calcium metabolism and, and really supporting bone and heart health in human beings. And it's very deficient in most people's diets these days. So that's probably a reason why we probably should be looking at getting dairy um, in our diets. Um, but just be mindful of the fact too that um, a lot of these healthy fats and fat-soluble vitamins um, are not going to be found in, in your low-fat um, dairy products as well. So your skim milk dairy products. Mm. Um, and these are often loaded, Alex, with sugar as well to make up for the lack of flavor. Um, really? You know, magic act. Well, the great magic act in, um, you know, food manufacturing, which I'm in, is is you remove sugar and what do you replace it with? Uh, fat. If you remove the fat and, you know, the low-fat craze in the 80s and 90s showed this and that's why, you know, type 2 diabetes is on the rise and obesity is, is you know, at, at all-time highs is because what they did, the food manufacturers, is they removed fat because everyone was fat-phobic. Now, we've joked about it before, but, um, you know, people that want to lose fat can't get their heads around eating something that's called fat. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just the worst uh, name. And, uh, it's amazing something. the marketing is light milk and you think, oh, God, they get yeah, you. They get you. It's good for you. It's good for you. And, and so what they did to, to, you know, really pump up the flavor was, um, you know, obviously put sugar in it and, um, Gee, I didn't know you know, that. and that's, um, you know, the byproduct of, you know, being a society which has really, um, demonized fat. So, you know, look, there's plenty of evidence, you know, calcium's the big one. We know that calcium is always the argument that, um, pro dairy people will go back to, you know, um, they'll say that, you know, dairy improves bone density, um, scientific study upon scientific study will argue that it reduces osteoarthritis, it reduces the risk of adults incurring fractures, as calcium is really the main mineral in your bones. And um, dairy is the best source of calcium in the human diet. So, um, you know, it's 
arguably one of the most important minerals that the human body needs. So um, we need to make sure that um, we're getting um, enough uh, dairy because that's going to give us the calcium, they'll argue. And um, this will help us form and maintain um, healthy teeth and bones. And um, and this will help stop us getting uh, osteoporosis as we get older. And that's why a lot of health uh, organizations throughout the world will say, you know, you need three serves of dairy per day in order to get enough calcium in your body. So they, they say that you should drink three glasses of milk or one glass of milk and a, a serve of yogurt and, um, you know, something else um, that um, contains a serving of dairy to meet the uh, required minimum allowance, uh, which will give you good bone strength. Here we go. I've got a question. Protein whey made from milk whey helps me grow muscle. Is mm. a good diet that has lots of rich, good quality, high, full fat dairy in it. Will that help my muscle retention? Yeah, look, there's plenty of evidence and, and studies which uh, show that uh, drinking uh, milk after you exercise is really beneficial to the muscles. And, uh, you know, if you're looking at other, you know, I suppose outcomes uh, such as, you know, having lower body weight and, and uh, you know, reducing your risk of obesity, dairy once again has proven emphatically from research studies that um, you're at much lower risk of um, having obesity uh, if you um, consume dairy. Um, in fact, a review of 16 studies noted that um, full fat dairy actually reduces obesity. It, it really reduces your risk of diabetes as well. So, um, they also found that, you know, people that uh, had full fat dairy, Alex, had uh, less belly fat. It decreases your risk of type 2 diabetes by nearly 62%, which is massive. Wow. So, so there's a lot of positives there. You know, we can keep going on about the positives, like it has a positive impact. Uh, research has shown on heart disease, particularly in countries where um, the dairy comes from grass-fed sources. And once again, because of the, the beneficial fats we spoke about and CLA and, and some of these other beneficial ingredients that it has in it. Um, for example, Alex, one study in Australia showed that um, people who consumed the most full-fat dairy had a whopping 70% lower risk of heart disease. It's amazing. So, you know, there's some really strong evidence. And that's why I'm a big advocate of making sure you have diversity in your diet and including these things in your diet, not demonizing them unless you have a full medical condition which prevents you from doing it. And, you know, a lot of people are going to say, oh, yeah, well, you know, these studies can be rigged and blah, blah, blah. But when you have a look at the nutritional content of dairy, once again, I believe a lot of the benefits are coming from from the heart-healthy vitamin um, K2. Um, and as I said, it's only found in these grass-fed uh, products. It's so beneficial in so many ways, Alex. And I think it's a real superstar of nutrition, which most people aren't getting. And it's a result of demonizing um, dairy products uh, on the whole. So before I say, I was going to ask you about the cons of milk. People say it makes you put on weight, but you've just said all that stuff, which now has thrown me. So do people say that because they're having the wrong milk? They might be having a light milk that they don't know has sugar in it, or is it because they're having too much milk? Because you talked about milk overload and they might be putting on weight that way, or is that just not true at all? Yeah, look, it really all comes back to the fact that, you know, there's calories in milk, like it or not. So, and they're probably ingesting the wrong types of milk, as we spoke about, the skim milks, which are higher in sugar. Uh, they're consuming way too much of it mm. with their with their coffee intake during the day at cafes. And let's not forget that research has shown time and time again that, um, you know, most people, when they have coffee, they don't just have it um, as plain coffee with a, a dash of milk. There's usually a condiment on the side, which is uh, a very smart marketing from banana bread, which um, yeah. is really cake, <laughs> to chocolates and sweets and biscuits. And oh, I admit, you know, um, you know, we've done podcasts on habits and habit stacking. I've got the worst habit of when I have a cup of coffee, I've got to have 
chocolate with it. Yeah. I love chocolate with the coffee. It's just a ritual that I do. And, you know, my mum watching my, my dear mum, every time she sits down for, for a, uh, a cup of tea and, and, um, you know, she always has biscuits. So, um, you know, it's usually the habits that are attached to, um, the consumption of some of these products as well. And, um, you know, a lot of people will have dairy, um, not necessarily in the best forms like we touched upon. It might be ice cream. It could be yogurts. And we know that most yogurts out there aren't actually good for us. They're wolves dressed in lamb's clothing. Um, if you flip over the pack of most yogurts, you'll see the sweetened ones and the flavored ones in particular um, are just packed full of sugar. So, um, you know, it, it all depends on, on the quality of dairy that we're having. And that's the most important thing. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. Some people are lactose intolerant. So if that is you, what is the best alternate for people to have if they cannot have that to get the same nutrients that they would get in dairy? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think uh, people are voting with their feet. All you have to do is walk down the supermarket aisles these days and there is literally aisles of milk substitutes, I like to call them, or in, in the food industry, they call them white fluids. Um. Right, because they're like, you can't call it milk. But I feel like that also yeah. might be made because people were scared of milk. Or are these things actually made as an alternate for people or is it both? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. Mm. And as I touched on before, you know, there's smart ways that you can hack these into your diet as well. If you're somebody that knows that you're probably having too much milk um, and you're trying to lose weight, for example, the great thing about a lot of these milk substitutes is they're actually much lower in calories. And the reason that they're much lower in calories is because of the fact that they're much less nutrient dense, um, which poses some problems if you're not getting enough nutrients in your diet and you're not eating a great diet. But if you are somebody that is covering most of your bases with good nutrition, um, some of these alternatives are great low calorie um, options for you, particularly if you enjoy too many coffees, for example, or you know, you're you guzzle down several protein shakes a day because you work out or you're trying to lose weight. So, you know, there's a lot of um, low calorie options out there that will, um, you know, help keep you satisfied and, and keep your waistline in check as well. And if you do have a lactose intolerance um, issue, um, they'll certainly help you as well. So the, the, the nutritionally best one, I would say that compares on a nutritional level to milk, the closest um, will be soy. Um, a lot of people have demonized soy for a long time um, because they were concerned, obviously, about the estrogen um, potential causing effects of soy. And it's a good choice, though. You know, I, I haven't seen enough studies to really prove to me that, you know, soy is going to increase your estrogen levels to any extent that is all of a sudden going to make your nipples sensitive. <laughs> yes. So, so um, it's essentially just made from soybeans um, or soy protein powder. The only concern I have with it is that um, when you have a look at the back of the uh, the label of a lot of soy products, they actually contain vegetable oils. And I know we touched upon that uh, in the last yeah. podcast. If you haven't gone back and bad. listened to that. Yeah, look, these man-made oils, they're not made from vegetables, vegetable oils. That's, mm. that's straight. They're bleached, they're dyed, um, they're man-made oils. And, um, you know, that that's the concern with these um, milk substitutes, that they do uh, have a lot of additive, additives and preservatives in them. And oftentimes they can also be very high in sugar. So, you know, 101 of good health is turn over the back of the pack um, when you're not eating something that's from nature and um, see what's actually in it because, um, you know, they're usually fortified with a lot of nasties. Um, and hopefully as well, they are fortified with some vitamins and minerals, um, particularly calcium when you're looking for milk substitutes because, you know, like we touched upon before, one of the, the, the highest benefits of uh of these you know, milk products is the fact that they do have calcium. They won't have the K2 in there, but um, they will have the calcium. And I mentioned him earlier, but Dr. Nick Fuller, who we've had on the podcast before, I remember him touching on a lesser talked about alternate to full 
cream milk is, of course, you know, don't have the skim ones. We spoke about that. But there is a lactose-free milk, which I thought, oh, no one mentions that. They always talk about soy or oat or rice milk. So that could be another option as well, right? A hundred percent. I was just going to jump into them as well. And you've also got A2 milk, which, you know, has a different form of uh, casein protein. You've you've got A1 uh, casein protein um, that is found in a lot of cows that produce milk. And then you have uh, a special breed of cow uh, namely Jersey cows, for example, that um, produce the uh, casein called A2 casein. So um, this is meant to be much easier on our digestive system. And that's why A2 milk has become very popular um, in recent times in supermarket aisles. And the company has um, exploded on the stock exchange because a lot of people find that they can tolerate A2 casein a lot more uh, effectively than they can the A1 casein found in most milk. Unless it says it's A2 milk, um, it's not. So um and obviously the uh, manufacturing um, of A2 milk is something that uh, we are afforded here in Australia um, because we have a lot of these cows. So um, it's on the supermarket shelves pretty readily. So my wife drinks almond milk a lot. Actually, a lot of the people I work with in the office will have almond milk in their coffees. What are your thoughts on almond milk? To be honest with you, I think it's just expensive water. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, I, I cast my mind back to, to one study in particular. Choice Magazine, I think, did a, a study on almond milk and they, they found from memory that it only contained roughly about 2%. Most brands contain, on average, about 2% of almonds, um, with water being by far and away the most predominant ingredient. And hence why it's so low in calories. So if you're looking for a low calorie alternative to dairy, um, it's a good choice. But when I look at what you're actually paying for almond milk and what you're actually getting nutritionally and what it contains, I would argue that it's a, a bit of a ripoff personally. And then there's also the, the danger that uh, the almond milks that are very popular, um, and the reason they are popular is because they taste bloody good, is because you know they're very high in sugar. I looked at one the other day in our, our, our office in work at the Manshake headquarters, and um, my head of digital loves his uh, manshake with almond milk and he had a chocolate flavored one. And I had to quickly point out to him that it had over 20 grams of carbohydrates and about 16 grams of sugar um, just in one serve. So it was sort of canceling out any beneficial uh, um, ingestion of uh, other nutrients that he was trying to consume at the same time. So yeah, what's the point of trying to bump up your protein and, and take something that you know, will help keep you full if all of a sudden you're spiking it uh, with a drink that's full of sugar. So yeah, you need to be very, very um, careful with the type of almond milk that you purchase. And also, you know, once again, um, looking out for um, some of the additives and preservatives that a lot of these have in them, but they're mainly really sweet. And that's, that's the big danger. Almond milk's generally very much um, a go-to for a lot of these sweeteners um, that are, you know, hidden to be, you know, healthy, but they're not with these halo words such as, you know, organic rice syrup or agavia syrup or organic evaporated cane sugar juice, raw sugar. I could go on and on about some of these, you know, names that they hide sugar under, but essentially they're just, they're packed full of sugar, not many almonds, and uh, they don't contain a lot of nutritional content outside of uh, water. The Bulletproof Coffee with Coconut Milk. Now, what's coconut milk doing to me? Is that got a lot of nutrition in it or am I walking down the same problem that I have with almond milk? Yeah, well, it's, it's very similar nutritionally, if, if you think about it, as far as not containing um, a lot of uh, nutrient density compared to normal milk. And rather than being high in sugar, um, they actually um, swap out the uh, high amounts of uh, protein and carbohydrates for saturated fats. So, you know, that, that that's the interesting thing. You alluded to the fact that it is a, a favorite uh, amongst uh, ketogenic people and people on Atkins-style diets, or high-fat diets. And the reason that is, is because coconut milk is very high in saturated fats. 
Um, and also, once again, the other problem that makes this even more dangerous than almond milk for a lot of people is the fact that the brands that, you know, really want to win over the palates of, of the consumer throw in a heap of added sugar as well, Alex. So there, there you're getting the double whammy, uh, the deadly double, I call it, fat and sugar combined together. And it's not going to contain calcium, which we know is, is the, the main reason that people advocate that you drink dairy and K2. But it's, it's um, you know, for me, I don't mind a little bit of coconut milk, I'll be honest, in, in my coffee. Some people argue that it contains some MCTs, which we know the benefits of MCTs, which are a medium chain triglyceride, which are essentially are great for brain health and, and cognitive function. So I am a little bit of a, a fan of a bit of coconut milk in my coffee. Um, and I don't think it does too much damage having a little bit in that regard. Uh, but if you're going to go and make a big, you know, 500 mil smoothie, I certainly wouldn't be putting half a litre of coconut milk or cream into uh, your smoothie. You're going to blow out your waistline pretty quickly, I'd imagine. And then at the last one I keep seeing in the, the supermarket aisles all the time is rice milk. Again, I don't know how they're getting anything out of these things. I assume it's just a whole lot of water, but I'm here to be proved wrong. What do you think? Marketing genius once again, uh, my friend. And, uh, right. <laughs> and, and, you, know, you know, like, you know, the great thing is, is that the great way to make money in the food industry as a, a food manufacturer is demonizing something. And, you know, they've done a, a very good job in de- demonizing dairy. Um, and we've showed today quite clearly that there is a case against dairy if you have uh, intolerance to it. However, um, replacing something that uh, is nutritionally dense with something that is nutritionally weak, I don't think is a smart option. Mm. Um, and, you know, rice milk, again, is one of these examples. You know, it's very high in carbohydrates and sugars. And we know with our modern day diets, the, the standard Australian diet, I like to refer to it as a sad diet. Um, <laughs> getting carbohydrates and sugar is the least of our worries. Um, protein is the biggest challenge um, in our diets, finding good source of protein and good sources of fat and uh, you know soluble vitamins like K2, which we spoke about earlier. So um, rice milk um, is very high in uh, glycemic loading, um, which essentially means you have a really big uh, glucose response. So all of a sudden, you know, when you have a big glass of cold rice milk, which doesn't sound too nice to me anyway, um, (laughs) means that your body quickly releases um, uh, glucose into the system, which, uh, you know, sees a a rise in blood sugar levels. Mm. And we'll usually see us uh, have that sugar bonk um, a short time later. So um, it needs to really be avoided, particularly by people with diabetes. Um, and you know, once again, people trying to meet their protein requirements, particularly as people age, um, you know, we'll, we'll speak about this in, in, in coming episodes, but you know, this, um, term called anabolic resistance is something that's becoming somewhat of a crisis, um, today in our society, particularly with people over the age of about 50, uh, their bodies become less effective at, uh, utilizing protein, uh, from their diets. Uh, therefore they need more protein, um, than they have ever needed. And, um, you know, looking to some of these alternatives isn't going to help them. So, um, um, and we know that they're the population, um, which, uh, exposed to the greatest cause of, um, mortality. Uh, once you hit the age of 70, the biggest cause of death is, uh, a fall. That's what's going to kill you. Like it or not, over 70% of people will die as a result, um, of falling, um, once they hit, uh, 65 plus. Um, and, uh, the reason is it's so, so traumatic on the human body, um, a fall at that age. And, um, most people at that age, um, given their diets and lifestyles are very fragile when it comes to bone strength. So once again, removing foods that are high in calcium, which are very important for bone strength is probably not a great idea. So, um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of rice milk and, and the other one, which is, you know, trending at the moment also is, um, oat milk, um, you know, <laughs> um, they basically produce this by blending oats and then that, and, uh, straining off the liquid from this. 
Um, and look, you know, it is a reasonable source of fiber and uh, other things like vitamin E, for example, that come to the top of my mind. Um, yes, it's low in fat compared to some of these other alternatives we spoke about. And it, it doesn't taste too bad as well, Alex. Um, but it does, once again, contain double the amount of carbohydrates that milk uh, does from cows. Um, so it's not a good option for people with diabetes and blood sugar issues and uh, trying to contain their um, waistlines from blowing out. And, and once again, it's very low um, in protein and calcium. So um, you have to get a brand that's actually fortified uh, with calcium and protein. Um, and it's not going to be suitable for people with gluten intolerance. Let's not forget that this is uh, probably a bigger affliction for most people out there with food intolerances than dairy is. So, um, you know, and whatever you do, guys, do not give these milk substitutes to children. That's something that I really want to emphasize as well, because, you know, we know the importance of, of dairy, particularly for young kids when it comes to, to nutritional requirements. And we must um, not sort of um, put these kids on some extreme diet. We know my thoughts around putting kids on vegan diets, Alex. Mm. Um, and I would say it's also the same case here. Um, you know, I do not recommend that children substitute these milk substitutes over milk uh, in itself. So Adam, that's so interesting to know that I need to have full cream milk. And if I don't have that, I've got a lactose problem, have lactose-free milk. And then if I can't have that, have soy milk. And then after that, everything is either just too much for my blood sugar levels or I've got zero nutrition in it. Uh, if you're <laughs> going to have it, have very small amounts and don't give the kids. That is really good to know because that's cleared up a lot of ambiguity for me. And of course, that's what you do in this podcast. I have one last question before we wrap up on this amazing episode about milk and dairy is when I'm going to buy full fat milk, I'm loving the organic stuff that we can get in supermarkets now. I'm loving that it's grass fed. But there's one more thing that confuses me, pasteurized, homogenized, non-homogenized. I don't know what those words mean and I don't know which one I should choose and I don't even know if it matters. Can you enlighten me about this? <laughs> Look, well, pasteurization is essentially something that has been brought in to really um, make milk safer, essentially. The government, you know, has uh, argued that um, it doesn't reduce the nutritional value. Um, there is a camp out there um, of the raw milk enthusiasts. They'll they'll swear by the nutritional benefits of um, uh, raw milk over over pasteurised milk. Now, homogenisation though is a separate thing altogether as far as um, the benefits um, for and against. They're pretty clear cut, really, when you think about it. So what is homogenization is the next million dollar question. And, and this is what occurs after they pasteurize the milk. Now, uh, the reason that they homogenize the milk is to break down the fat uh, molecules. Um, so it then allows um, the uh, cream not to rise to the top, literally, Alex. So what happened before milk was homogenized, um, the fat molecules would rise to the top. Yeah, um, and form yeah, a layer yeah, of cream. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember that in the old school milk, and now you do find it in some kind of organic products where it's got that thick bit at the top. Yeah, so one could argue that it's it was delicious. done for aesthetic reasons, um, because you know when you homogenise the milk, um, it, it basically breaks down these uh, fat molecules to such a small size that they remain suspended and evenly throughout the milk. So there's no cream rising to the top. Um, so. It doesn't involve any additives. That's one of the good advantages of it. Um, it's just a process, a mechanical process. Um, and, you know, there's arguments that exist for and against it, you know. Um, you know, from a production point of view, um, dairy farms like to homogenize the milk because the process allows them to mix milk from different herds of, of cows without any issue. So that's really important for the manufacturers of milk. And that, that's why they'll argue, a lot of the milk industry, that, you know, it's not a bad thing homogenizing milk because it's good for their bottom line and good luck to the farms. You know how tough they do it. Yeah. 
Um, and then they get to uh, have the cream rise to the top of their bank balances, <laughs> literally. So um, it also, you know, has been proven to increase the shelf life, which is a great thing for, for, for milk manufacturers as well. It also allows them to develop products which are attractive to consumers as well. So low fat and 1% and 2%, you know, skim milks, for example, is another benefit of homogenization as well. So yeah, it just makes the process very precise so they can bring out specific milks. So yeah, I mean, like for me, I, I really like um, non-homogenized milk um, because um, I just like the taste of it. I just think it does taste a little bit better. Um, and, you know, you know that, that's my go-to, but you've just got to find what your preference is. And look, before we wrap this episode, if you really want to put the money where your mouth is, and I've done this, do a blind taste test of a full cream, organic, non-homogenized milk versus like a skim or something like that, it will blow your mind how much better the full cream milk is. And also now, if you don't have lactose intolerance, you can understand that you can have it within portion control and enjoy it without feeling guilty about it. And that's the biggest revelation for me, Adam, from this episode is I don't have to feel guilty about milk anymore. I appreciate that, mate. Thank you. <laughs> Long live the milk mustache, my friend. <laughs> I love it. Remember, more questions, the better. We love them. Healthhacker at themanshake.com.au is the email address or hit up Adam on his Manshake socials. And at themanshake.com.au on his website, he's always giving away prize packs for men and women, the Lady Shake packs, for people who get in touch with him. So thank you so much, Adam. Looking forward to the next Q&A from our tribe. Always fun, my friend. Health Hacker was created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Written and presented by Adam McDougall. Produced and presented by Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. To listen to more episodes, search Health Hacker Podcast. Listen for free at podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.